Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, I'll make this quick. We've got Palm versus the Prince. Sign up right now, vsin.com slash subscribe. 120 bucks through May 1st. You get everything, including the college basketball betting guide, which dropped this week. It's amazing. You got to check out the betting guide because we do a lot of the work for you. Busy college basketball season coming. vsin.com slash subscribe. Okay, we're back. Amal Shaw, I'm Patrick Maher, of course. Dustin Sweetelson, Mike Palm. Palm VP of Ops there, Circa the D Golden Gate, VEASAN host at Mike Palm Circa. And it's time for the debut of Palm versus the Prince. We will debate, uh, excuse me, Palm and the Prince uh, will de- debate and we will judge. We will grade. Okay, let's c- start it up. And we're going to start with you, Amal Shaw. Who will be the first coach fired in the NFL? Frank Wright, Carolina Panthers. David Tepper's the owner there, former hedge fund guy. Very short patience, short leash. And I think the way this team has performed, it's not that we're expected to make the postseason, but they're in a bad division with no quarterback play. I think this is going to be a potential change coming here. And remember the comments, Patrick, we talked about? He goes, well, you know, I don't really like to talk to the owner um, along those lines. I just think it's a bad situation right now in Carolina. I disagree, Amal. I'm going to say Brandon Staley with the, with the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to say because of expectations, all right? And you mentioned expectations. I get that Tepper has a shorter string here. But what has Staley done with Justin Herbert other than waste his career? 21 and 20 with Herbert. No playoff wins. Anthony Lynn had a better record and won a playoff game with the Chargers. This guy's brought in as a defensive genius, and his defenses cannot contain teams. They blow leads every week, and his fourth down to decision-making and game management are second to none is the worst in the league. Spanoses are too cheap to eat the contract of uh, Brandon Staley. Ooh, a retort. That is a first ever Palm versus the Prince, although it was the first question ever. All right, next question. Over, under. We're going to set the total at eight and a half teams. Mike Palm that can win the Super Bowl this year. Way under. Way under. I've got five. On my list, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. The ifs, if I give you the ifs, ifs, Cleveland, Miami, Detroit. That's ifs, iffy range, fringe element to me. I don't think it's close. I wouldn't include anybody else on that list. 
Um, if all of you can find nine, I'll give you credit. I don't have nine. I've got eight. I've got the five you have, uh-huh. and I'm, I've got uh, two of the three that you mentioned. Uh, mentioned at Philadelphia, San Francisco. I think we're in complete agreement yep. there, all of us here on the set. And then you go to the AFC, Kansas City, of course. Let's go to the AFC East very quickly. I think if Buffalo and Miami play their A games, they're capable of beating anybody. For Miami, it's got to be perfect weather conditions, potentially home games in South Florida. If you have to go on the road, whether it's in any weather or else, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Kansas City, or Buffalo, it could be a real challenge because of the weather. I still think Buffalo is very capable, even though they haven't been consistent. Um, and then on the flip side, I would throw in, in the AFC North, Baltimore, Cincinnati. And guys, I'm going to throw in Cleveland because of the fact that Jerome Ford's done a nice job at the tailback position. I know Deshaun Watson's been a train wreck. If you think about it from this perspective, this team has got nothing out of Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. If there's in somewhat of an elevation in his performance along the way, I think that just absolutely propels this team. The defense, in my opinion, right now is not elite. It's the best defense in the National Football League. I know they gave up 38 points on Sunday. You have outliers. You have bad games. I don't believe the Detroit Lions can win the Super Bowl. I think they're a team that potentially could get there. Dustin was very specific and win. I'm going to go with the under on eight here. Okay. If the rumors are proven true, Amal Shaw, you're up. Should Michigan get the death penalty? No, the death penalty is not uh, in line with what's transpired here. I think there should be some sort of punishment here that fits the crime. You know, maybe a postseason bowl ban. Because the one thing you look at, Michigan's record, since this alleged incident happened starting in the 2021 season, Michigan has been rolling uh, 33-3 and since that point in time. Obviously, bodes well for what the Wolverines have been able to do. And you look at the teams that they've been scouting. Georgia, some of the other opponents that you could face off in the college football playoff, Ohio State uh, among TCU as well. So I, I think there has to be some severity to it if you want to send a message. And here's the thing. I'm not saying this is a justification for the punishment, but you should really punish Harbaugh and have him wind up with a three-year show cause. Let him go to the National Football League. Let Michigan wash their hands of him. And then don't punish the program at that level because of what the coach did. Well, the question is kind of ludicrous to me. I mean, (laughs) do you think it's unethical for, for someone to watch another team play? No. Do you think the NCAA is consistent in its enforcement of policies? No, but I don't think most judges and juries are. I I think there's no moral high ground here at all to enforce this. I think it's ludicrous. A bunch of guys sitting in a room that even wrote this rule because ADs don't want to spend money sending people going and scouting. So they come up with this farcical rule. Let's call this what it is. They hate Jim Harbaugh. They're looking for a reason to get rid of Harbaugh. If they do something, it's probably going to be what what Amal said to try to drive Harbaugh out. But... uh, to punish the program, I think, is, is not reasonable. Palm asking his opponent questions. That is unprecedented. <laughs> Who is the best team, Mike Palm, in the Pac-12? Well, I don't think this is close. I think it's the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Dan Lanning completely mismanaged that game at Husky Stadium. They're the they're better team defensively. It's probably second best defensive team in the conference to Utah. Utah does not have a quarterback and won't have a quarterback uh, for the rest of the year. You could almost make the argument that right now Arizona is the second best team. I think this team is very dangerous. But to me, clearly... Oregon, the most balanced and best team in the Pac-12. He took my answer, yep. Patrick. You guys know where I come out on this yep. one. I'm hoping for a Ducks-Huskies rematch. Let's come in and unload the clip on Oregon. They're the better football team. I'm telling you right now, I bet this morning Bo Nix at 12-1 to, to win the Heisman. He is going to win the Heisman. I looked at his numbers. The biggest threat is not Michael Penix. The biggest threat is J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy, 18 touchdowns, three INTs, all three against Bowling Green. Bo Nix has thrown one interception. This guy's been absolutely elite. I don't even understand because they didn't get three yards. We're not talking about Bo Nix. He's been the best player, the most outstanding 
outstanding player in college football this year. I agree with Mike for almost everything he said. Bryson Barnes is a better quarterback than he gets credit for for Utah. It's always tough going on the road to Rice-Eccles, but a road win here by Oregon. And if Bo Nix throws for 250 and two touchdowns, no turnovers, I think he's got to be in that conversation with J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix. Amal Shaw, who would you rather have lead your program, James Franklin or Lincoln Riley? I'd rather just have the prisoners running the asylum. I mean, neither of these guys, but I'll go with Lincoln Riley for the purpose of this question. James Franklin has proven he can't win the big game. Look at his record against Ohio State and Michigan. This guy has continuously struggled. He's been 1-10 now against AP top five teams during his tenure. He's just not a guy that can get it done. You know what? We exactly knew when. Remember when the Penn State season win total was set at ten, nine and a half guys before the season started, Patrick? We talked about this in August. They're going to win 10 games. They're going to lose to Ohio State. They're going to lose to Michigan. They look non competitive against the Buckeyes only because Ohio State arguably has their worst or minute, most inept offense in years. They still have a very good defense in State College. The offensive line, the running game did not show out the way it was anticipated this year. Lots of work to be done. Lincoln's had some success at least. He's gotten to the college football playoff. He just doesn't believe in playing defense. He thinks it's like when you're a kid, it's make it take it and you keep the ball i agree with them all shaw james franklin can't win the game to get you to the game lincoln loses <laughs> lincoln 72 and 15 he's only lost five games by double digits three straight playoff appearances at oklahoma remember the double overtime loss in the rose bowl to georgia they get beat by alabama in the orange bowl 45 34 lsu did dominate them in the peach bowl that year but they dominated clemson in the championship game Close loss at Utah. Then they got pounded by Utah. Five turnovers, Notre Dame. He's going to keep you in every game. His offense is going to perform. Franklin just can't do it against any kind of competition that is near his level. First of all, just on is this. Kirk Cousins quickly, Mike Palm, is uh, Kirk Cousins top 10 quarterback? QBR says he's 12th. Let's try to argue. Amal, let's debate this together. Would you concede that Mahomes, Allen, Tua, Goff, Herbert, Lamar, and Hertz are all better than him. Yes. Okay, now here's the question. Is Purdy better than him? No. Is Prescott better than him? No. Is Geno better than him? No. Is Lawrence better than him? Yes. Is Stafford better than him? Yes. Is C.J. Stroud better than him? Can't put that yet. Doesn't have enough body all of right, work. Then he's top 10. I, I, no, I don't disagree with this. I think he is top 10. I actually, Patrick... Look, my criticism of Kirk Cousins comes from the contract that he was given based on performance, and he didn't warrant it at that point in time. But when you look at his consistency and what J.J. Jefferson's been able to do, or excuse me, Justin Jefferson's been able to do during his tenure in Minnesota, a lot of that credit has to go to Kirk Cousins along the way. There's other quarterbacks with elite receivers that are not putting up comparable stats. Okay. Amal Shaw, this is the last question. What's the best candy you can get trick-or-treating? Reese's Pieces or peanut M&M's. I'm sorry, I'm going to. I apologize. Okay. Okay. Mike? He'll take peanut M&Ms. I'll take Reese's Pieces. A lot of people have allergies to nuts. I think that discounts a lot of the country for a mall. I think my answer appeals to a broader audience. Let me ask Justice. you this. I want to go back. It's over, yeah, but I want to go back because we, we agreed on the under eight and a half. I have Miami there. You have Buffalo. Buffalo couldn't do it when they were 13 seconds away with a superior team against Kansas City with a superior team than they had now. Buffalo couldn't get it done at home against Cincinnati with a team that's better than the one they have now. I don't have any faith that Buffalo can win the Super Bowl this year. I, I don't disagree with you. I still think the talent is there, though, when you've got a number one quarterback and a number one receiver. The one thing that I would point with Buffalo is that I look at the AFC minus Kansas City. I don't think any team is better than they were in the past. I think the Cincinnati team is worse than they were. I think Baltimore's solid, but not as good as what I, I think Baltimore's better. And I think Baltimore, what we saw against Detroit was something pretty amazing. That healthy Baltimore team, I understand against the NFC and you haven't prepared for Lamar, it's very difficult. But they look like they were playing a Juco team out there on Sunday. And Detroit's a very good team. 
inaugural Palm versus Prince, uh, Dustin Sweetelson, the grading. I <laughs> I had it three three with one push. The push was on death penalty, Michigan. I also have it three three with one push. Amal didn't even pick the best M&M product, and Mike didn't even pick the best Reese's product. It's a tie for me. I never tried okay. the peanut butter M&Ms. I meant to Mike bring Palms. them for you, but I ate them. <laughs> Great job. Head up to the meeting there, Legacy Club. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, check out the betting splits. One of the tools over at vcin.com, money and bets for every game. Updated every five minutes straight from DraftKings. Today's games and future events as well. 
Make sure you check out the betting splits, vcin.com. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money, vcin, the sports betting network. Our next guest, he was all over my TV this weekend, does a great job. ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich, of course, BYU, NFL, does a great job on TV. Halftime tonight, UTEP Sam Houston State. Tomorrow, Syracuse Virginia Tech. And then college game day on ESPN Radio Saturday, noon to 3 Eastern. Enjoy. Love watching you on TV, Trevor. Thank you for the time. And I'll start here. James Franklin, after the loss to Ohio State, said he's not sure those weren't the two best teams in the country playing, or I'm paraphrasing. Do you agree with Mr. Franklin? I agree with half of it. Patrick, I think (laughs) Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country. I think Penn State's one of the best defenses in the country, but their offense kind of got exposed, didn't it? I mean, their offensive line going up against an elite defensive front seven of the Buckeyes wasn't able to make a lot of holes. And this is a defense, or excuse me, an offense for Penn State that doesn't get a lot of big plays anyhow, running or passing. I mean, for all the love that Penn State quarterback Drew Aller gets, he doesn't push the ball down the field. And I don't know if that's because he can't or because they're just not asking him to. But against the Buckeyes, he needed to. And nothing happened in that game either. He also looks really, really slow, both in the way he moves and in his decision-makings against the Buckeyes. And again, that might be the best defense in the country, Ohio State. But at the same time, I can't say that Penn State is a top five or six team, seven team, when their offense has not been able to show that even against bad teams, it can light them up. Trevor, Michigan has looked outstanding against weaker competition, so I don't know where you come out on them in terms of how you see their performance, but Georgia now loses Brock Bowers, and they haven't played anyone either. How much of an impact could that have in the in the uh, cocktail party this weekend without Brock Bowers going up against a Florida team that seems to be coming on? Yeah, Amal, well, that's a really good question because you, you, you get into a um, debate between who deserves it the most based on resume and who's good enough. I mean, you could have taken Georgia – you know, out of the SEC the last two years and dropped them into the the MAC, the Mid-America Conference, right, with Kent State and Northern Illinois. And they still would have been the best team in the country both years. But they might not have made the playoffs because people would say, well, they didn't deserve it because of resume. And I think that when you look at this Georgia team now, they are getting a lot more shade than they should. Statistically, they're in the top seven in both offense and defense at, at yards gained and yards allowed, points scored and points allowed. They're in the top seven in both of those. So they're showing great balance overall. Bowers is a problem because when they've needed a big play, it's gone to him. And the wide receiver room for Georgia coming into this season on paper look like the deepest group that they've had there in a number of years because they brought in Missouri's best wide receiver from the year before in the transfer portal, Dominic Lovett. Mississippi State's best receiver from the year before, Ra-Ra Thomas. They had Lad McConkie, right? Then they had some others, too. And those guys now need to step up. McConkie's been hurt, and he's rounding his way back into shape. But Lovett and Thomas need to now become the playmakers that will replace the production of Brock Bowers because it's been like they've been complementary pieces, and they knew it. until Bowers got hurt. So that will be the key for Georgia. Will they get playmaking from the wide receivers in a way that they didn't get from that group when Bowers was fully healthy? And if they do, then Georgia 
they're one of the best two or three teams in the country. And they're very, very balanced. Not as spectacular and flashy as they've been the last couple of years, especially on the defensive line, which is where they really have had their big, their big advantage in the two national championships. But they're still plenty good enough everywhere across the board to compete for the best for the top. ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich joining us here, Sharp Money. So we've been having the debate. You talked about flashy, that Husky Stadium game between Washington, Trevor, and of course, uh, Oregon was flashy. How do you separate the two? Who do you have as the better team? Obviously, Washington, the winner, but that was a tight one. Yeah, Washington won the game. And because of that, as a player, it would gall me if everything else is fairly equal to drop the winner below the team that beat them head to head. Right. And so if I were to rank them right now, I've got Washington one ahead of Oregon. However, looking at those two teams, I think Oregon is the better team. Washington's passing game is fantastic. Their running game is pedestrian and their defense has shown some, some uh, weaknesses, uh, especially in, in giving up passes. The, thing about Oregon is that they, they've had some injuries in the secondary, but even with that, they've been pretty balanced all the way across the board uh, on both sides of the ball in a way that Washington has not shown. Plus, when you look at um, Washington against Arizona State last week, Arizona State did a masterful job of building on what Arizona did to slow down the Washington offense a few weeks before. Arizona knew that Washington wants to go vertical. And so they dropped everybody back and forced Washington to dink and duck it down the field. And Washington won that game, but they only scored 31 points, which up to that point, I believe, was their lowest output of the season. So here comes Arizona State last week to play at Washington. And they did a combination of what Arizona did, back everybody out, and mixed it with incredible aggression up at the line of scrimmage. And that kept Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback, off balance for Washington. And Washington, they only scored, what was it, 15 points or something? It was just a, you know, a, a miserable outing for the Washington offense. And so that worries me a little bit. I think Oregon has a better balance in that if the passing attack is being taken away for one reason or another, Bucky Irving at running back is one of my favorite backs in the country. And they still have the ability to compensate for it in a way that Washington doesn't quite as well. Love that breakdown. Uh, Trevor, let's stay on this theme a little bit here. In terms of the Heisman, you're previously a Heisman voter. How do you stack the players right now? And who would you have as your top three right now? Yeah, right now it's kind of tough because Michael Penix Jr. had a bad game. I mean, a bad game against a team that he shouldn't have had a bad game against, Arizona State, right? And then Caleb Williams of USC has had a couple, couple, you know, games in a row that are questionable against Notre Dame. He was miserable. He was just terrible. And against Utah, he was pretty good, but he wasn't Heisman worthy in my opinion and so you know those two guys would have been the top two and they kind of dropped down a little bit and so right now there is no clear front runner in my opinion i think the betting favorite depending on on what book you're looking at is jj mccarthy the michigan quarterback and when you watch him on tape he is incredibly effective incredibly efficient He's decisive. He throws darts. His his footwork is on point. Drop, set, throw. I mean, the guy knows exactly what he's doing, and he's getting it done physically. But when you watch their opponents, there's two things that stand out. One is that they look terrible by comparison to Michigan. And the other is the opponents look terrible just because a lot of them are actually super terrible. And so McCarthy, while he's playing well, has not had the stage set for him to have a big Heisman moment. Penix had that moment. 
when he trailed Oregon late in the game and two plays later he throws a magnificent touchdown pass to Roma Dunze to win the game, right? You've got plays like that. Jordan Travis of Florida State, you know, they're playing at Clemson and in overtime he throws a magnificent touchdown pass, tight coverage, dropped a dime and it was a laser. It was a combination of, you know, of accuracy and the fact that it was, it was a laser right over the head of the defender in a huge moment on the road to win the game. McCarthy hasn't really had that. So if I were to, if I were to pick three right now, I would still have Michael Penix Jr. I would have Jaden Daniels of LSU. And I would have Marvin Harrison Jr. receiver for Ohio State in my top three. Trevor, we've got one minute. I want one more question. The problem with USC football right now is fill in the blank. Toughness really mental toughness. When things get bad, they tend to stay bad. You know, Utah beat them up along the offensive line and stopped everybody because of that. The, the receivers got beat up and it, it seemed to affect them on tape. Um, you know, the, the defense I thought was improving. You know, I, I, they were doing some things that gave me hope. And then Utah with a backup quarterback and with a safety playing running back just smashed them. And they didn't have an answer. They have the talent. The schemes are fine. But from a standpoint of mental toughness that combines how urgent you are focusing in practice, and when you get hit in the mouth during the game, you you bear down and do the right things in the right way. Everybody, all 11, every time. That's where they seem to be lacking. I'm not saying they're soft as individuals. I'm saying as a team, there's a degree of mental toughness that translates into execution, and they lose that when they get hit in the mouth. We'll be watching tonight. Trevor Maddich, of course, UTEP, and Houston State, of course, all weekend on ESPN, ESPN Radio as well. We love your work on ESPN, Trevor, and thank you for the time. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Amal. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. He does a great job. I saw him this past weekend with... Um, Acho, Emmanuel, is it Emmanuel Acho and somebody Sam, else? Sam, I believe it Sam, was. Yeah, yeah. They, they just Maddich has been good for years and years uh, on television. Nice to talk to him. Speaking of years and years on TV, how about this? Chris Myers joins us next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app at $5. Get $200 back in free bets right now when you use that promo code SHARP, S-H-A-R-P. Remember, no sweat, same game parlay every day at DraftKings. DraftKings, the crown is yours. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. We're going to bring in legendary broadcaster, and I don't use that lightly, Chris Myers. NFL on Fox covered everything. Super Bowl, Daytona 500, the Masters, World Series, you name it. Also, I grew up with the legendary Up Close show. That's probably why I got into broadcasting. I love that show. And I'm going to embarrass Chris because years and years ago, I was doing a little radio show and he called up and the phone screener at the time said, Chris Myers is calling and he just wants to talk about sports with you. And I said, you're lying. Chris Myers isn't randomly calling the show, but you did. And I'll always remember that act of kindness, Chris. Thank you. Well, no, I was listening late at night. Uh, you were interesting. I think it had something to do with the Detroit Lions. I don't know, but I remember calling, <laughs> and I'm glad you're doing well, and it's good to be on with you and, and them all. 
It's great to be on with you as well. And one of the stories you told us, so maybe you can tell a new audience, when you're wearing, you're always uh, Napoli attired, the scarf. Who gave you the <laughs> scarf, Chris Myers? I, I, I think it wasn't one of our wardrobe people. It was somebody, and I, I, I needed something because I'm a warm weather guy, and I was in a cold climate covering a game on a field, and uh, and I, they threw it on it and it became, Hey, it was a bright blue or something. And you guys commented and everybody was all over on social media. So I honestly got I, I don't really recall, uh, but it was a big hit. So now I have to be much more aware of, of fashion in the right places. <laughs> yeah, well, you've come to the right show for fashion. Uh, who's good. You, you, you had the Eagles, you had the Eagles recently. You've had, we were just talking about the 49ers. We thought they were great. And all of a sudden they go to Minnesota, of course, back-to-back losses. They, right now, if your power rankings, Chris, who do you have at the top? Yeah, you know, I've shuffled on this, uh, and i got to tell you, beginning of the year, I, I have the Eagles game coming up. I had the Bucks falcons recently. Uh, I, I started out with the 49ers, thinking that the, the loss of the offensive and defensive coordinators for the Eagles might catch up to them. But uh, I've shifted. Uh, the Lions showed some vulnerability there. I know injuries are part of the game, but I would still have to put the Eagles back up at the top after what I saw against Miami, and they've dealt with their share of injuries and they've got a front office when they need to do something. Hey, we need a receiver. Let's go trade for AJ Brown. We need a DB. Let's pick up a, a two-time all pro Kevin Byard from uh, Tennessee, even though he's, he got some years on him, he can fit right in and help our team. So, and I think Jalen Hurts is, is really improving. And I wasn't sold on him as a, as an NFL passer from the pocket. He needs to run to be effective, even in his own mind, I think. Uh, but, but he's got enough around him and they do enough things and they're very good defensively. So I'll put them up there. Um, I'm still a believer in the 49ers and the Lions. Those are, now that's the NFC. The AFC, I, I think you have to put the Chiefs first and put them first overall uh, until somebody proves otherwise. Even though we keep waiting for you know, the defense, ah, they're not that great, somebody will be, they'll be able to outscore them. That just doesn't seem to happen. Chris, I'm not being facetious when I say this. Desmond Ritter might be the most talked about player on our show since the regular season has started. <laughs> And you've seen him in person. Give us your assessment because we're all huge Arthur Smith fans here. So tell us how you see him playing into this team with the talent around him. Well, I first ran into him out of college at a NASCAR event, believe it or not. He was there in Atlanta and got to talk to him in a kind of a relaxed environment. I was really impressed with the kind of kind of guy. Uh, that he is. So I can see why in a huddle around a team, he's likable, right? I mean, he works hard. I don't know, and I've heard this, and this is really the view of other defensive coordinators and, and players around the league. He's he's okay. He's not a great quarterback, but maybe that's all you need with what Arthur Smith does with the running game. And I had that game last week. He had three lost fumbles, and yet he made the big play against a very good Buccaneer defense to set him up for the, for the field goal. So uh, I, I don't think he's going to win a lot of games for you, uh, but, but I don't think he'll lose many once he sorts out. And I got to say, Arthur Smith was very defensive in our production meeting. He was almost surly with me. I didn't even ask the question about, hey, are you considering benching him after the three interceptions? He asked him about Ritter and confidence, and he went into, hey, it's silly for anybody to ask if, if he's going to be benched. He's our guy. Da, 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 da. So he was obviously very defensive about that, and that's understandable uh, because he likes this guy. So um, I, I think you know, if you got everything else going well, you're going to be okay. But I don't see this guy, even though he's thrown for 300 yards in the two previous games before Tampa, I just don't see him, you know, going off the charts and winning a game that way. But he's very effective. He runs, he's learning. He's had 11 starts in the NFL. He runs the ball very well himself. He's not afraid to take hits. The big thing about Atlanta this year, their defense is so improved. They're one of the better defenses in the league. Chris Myers, NFL on Fox. 
immediately you hear the voice, you know them. You've had the Saints twice. Uh, some consternation. They were favorites in division coming into the season. Have you noticed something wrong when covering the Saints with that team right now? Yeah, I have, and I wasn't buying it early. And this is another that whole division. You know, Carolina is a disappointment. You get a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, but they're all strong defensively. Atlanta got better. The Saints have been there. Carolina has been good. They've kind of slipped a little, and the Bucks have improved their defense. As far as the Saints go, there's something missing, and, and I always kind of liked Carr. You know, you have that tag of uh, you know you can't really advance your team and take them into the into the playoffs. Dennis Allen, it was an immediate hookup because Allen drafted him when they were back in the Raiders. So when he was available, he said, I want to go with Dennis Allen and win. I'm, he joked, Derek Carr, I'm the guy who got him fired with the Raiders, which, which isn't true. But Dennis Allen is a defensive coach. There's some guys, they're better coordinators than they are head coaches. Maybe you can say that about Todd Bowles. There's some other guys that, that are play callers. This offense has too much talent to be out of sync. They're really dysfunctional. And Alvin Kamara kind of came out, even though he you know, had some injuries. Him and Jamal Williams were out. He kind of even came out and said, look, I'm not saying anything, but some guys have got to be responsible for their own jobs and do those when we prepare during, during the week. Alave, Michael Thomas has never been a team guy, even though he, you know, he set records catching. He's slowing down. So uh, they're, I just don't see them getting a lot better. And maybe it's in the play calling of the preparation on offense. If Dennis Allen was doing that and was an offensive coach, they, they might have been better off. Chris, you called C.J. Stroud's coming out party in Jacksonville. If there was anything in that game that impressed you or your takeaway, and then you had him again against the Saints, what you your assessment of him so far through the first seven weeks of the season? Yeah, and, and you're, you're spot on with this. I've actually called a couple of his games and actually called, yeah, called uh, one of uh, Richardson's first games and, and also Bryce Young's first game. And he's clearly, and now the numbers show, but you can see right away he's, he's the best of the, of the bunch, you know, early in the, in the reading of their careers. I, I liked that he was really confident, but really humble. So that's kind of the, the overview. And then physically, you know, I saw him in college, but I, I was impressed the, the the variation of throws he could do a little soft touch he could heave it deep to a speedy receiver and the fact that when we had him early his offensive line was beat up and there was no running game I mean he was barely surviving back there obviously protecting the football he had that string before the one interception and he had a few fumbles but he's gotten better at that and I, I've seen some dramatic improvement just in like the six games of his career He's got Tank Dell, an excellent receiver who should be back, and they'll hook up a lot more. And Nico Collins, their run game, if that gets going, then that'll help him out a lot more. But even when he didn't have that, even when he had to throw as often as he did for a rookie in the NFL, I've been very, very impressed. I, I see him even getting better uh, through the course of the season. And physically, he's, he's strong and, and tough. Doesn't like to run a lot, but if he needs to, he will. And that's why I, I think he'll have a long and very successful career. Chris, admittedly selfish question to end on. When you've covered the Lions, what have been your takeaways of Dan Campbell? Oh, I'm overwhelmed. You, I mean, you, you sit and you talk to him, whether the mics are on or off or in a production meeting or after practice. You, you just want to play for the guy. You believe him, even if he says some, some silly, you know, uh, meathead kind of quote about whether it's kneecaps or fighting to the end or some military expression. Uh, and and they brought, they've brought the best out of Jared Goff. Uh, I, I like his team. Watch this week. I, I know it was embarrassing last week. They bounced back well. Had their game last year when they were on their way to the playoffs at Carolina. They got blown out. They, they came back the following week with really nothing on the line and beat uh, the Packers at Lambeau Field. Well, they had a chance, I guess, maybe to do, still do something. But they're a good bounce back 
team. So I, I, this is a playoff team. They should win that division. And then it's how do they measure up against the, the 49ers or Eagles. But I'm a believer in Campbell. They've supported him. And this is the year. You know, you talk about giving a coach time. He's got the players. I'm a little worried about his defensive coordinator. Uh, Dan may have to step in and, and do some work there uh, to keep them on the right track. But they'll be, uh, they'll be just fine. Patrick, I could listen to Chris read a phone book. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. It's like, you know, sometimes we talk about people that are known for their first name. When you just hear a person talk and you know immediately who it is, that's a pretty good. That's pretty good, Chris. Well, uh, well a funny story, because, yeah, by the way, a book's coming out about up close and about some of the things I covered next year. And I'll make sure we we get on to talk about it. But when I was a kid. I had two brothers. I slept under an, an air conditioning vent, and they were like, you always like it too cold in our room. We had to share the room. And But when I'd wake up in the second, third grade with kind of a post-nasal drip that affected my throat, and they thought I was getting a sore throat, and I didn't know this at the time, and it's not scientifically proven, but it actually deepened my voice at a very young age. So I, I, I never thought of it that way until people started commenting about it. But it's very nice of you to say, because I can't sing worth a darn, but I certainly love talking. <laughs> You can find me sleeping under an air conditioner tonight. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much. Your voice I, is, I'm gonna... Yeah, your voice is fine. Don't worry. I said, you know, and I look, I'm a radio geek. I listen to voices at, at T. I hear a commercial and say, hey, that's Richard Trifus doing the voiceover. Or that's uh, this guy or that guy. I love that. I have an ear for that kind of a stuff. So your voice is fine. I think you and them all are, are good. You're in the right profession. You're the best, Chris. We'll talk about the book when it comes out as well. Chris Myers, thank you so much. We're back. Will Levis may be in for the Titans. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, I heard that big guy. Let's go, Amal. Let's double team this. You're doing the read with me. VSIN Pro, become an unlimited access member. Right now, you get the picks, the top VSIN expert leaderboard. My assumption is the big guy said, have Amal do the read because didn't he go 2 0, 3 0 last night? Yeah, he's been hot lately. He's on like a 7 0 run, and that means more picks are coming your way at vsin.com. Here's the thing. If we. If, if a mall, he gives out plays, but the way that this show works, and I think it's a respect thing from Dustin, like we'll give out plays and Dustin, unless we tell Dustin, yeah, officially put that on the sheet, he won't put it on the sheet. So there's been times I'm like, oh, did that sh- pick make it on the sheet? Because I said it on the air and you want credit for it. Um, Amal, we, Amal, we have to pin him down because he's been on a freaking heater. But we just got to make sure they officially them all get on the sheet there. Well, that's my fault. And that, to Dustin's credit, he always does a great job of contacting me for it. But I just have to message him. I'll be honest with you. Selfishly, I'm just worried about getting my plane in with the best numbers. And I'm looking at where am I hedging. And so, yeah. uh, but it, it's been, I've been fortunate. The college football and NFL has been pretty good. So hopefully, I check out the top VEASAN experts on the leaderboard to view betting records, profit, ROI, and see which expert has the hot hand. There it is. Nice work. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. 120 bucks through May 1st right now. Okay, boys. Uh, actually, the spirited conversation about the NBA, so I think we should keep it going. The uh, Dustin, you can set it up. It, we're going to use this example tonight. The Pistons, who are youngest team in the league, not going to be very good this year. They're catching 10, but I'll put it to you this way, Amal. Uh, the Miami Heat are laying 10, and the money line tonight is minus 425. But the way to set up this conversation in a betting strategy, Dustin, let everybody know what we used to do with the Warriors when they were running that dominant season. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Patrick and me used to do a show uh, that was on during a lot of these games. And the Warriors game would be tipping off usually like halfway through our show and we'd look for opportunities to bet on them but in 2017 or 2018 one of those years they were just such overwhelming favorites with such a loaded roster that you couldn't bet them pre-flop you couldn't bet them before the game started you had to find an in-game and for whatever reason this team just would mess around for like a quarter and a half and they would trail at some point a lot of times and as soon as they would get down like eight ten points something like that we would just hammer the money line on the Warriors and then by the time the game was over, they'd win by double digits. Patrick, I love the strategy. Let's kind of break it down a little bit more at length here. First of all, the, those Warriors teams were unbelievable in terms of what they were able to do. Let's use a couple examples. Start with last night. They're playing against the Phoenix Suns. They're down. They get outscored in the second quarter, 33-18. to 18. They were tied at the end of one in terms of scoring. And so at the break, they're, they're just absolutely getting crushed there, 61-46. to 46. Now, you've got an opportunity to take Golden State in the second half. They were minus 2.5 for the game. Now you can get plus 210, plus 230 on the Warriors in the money line to win the basketball game down at uh, 15. Uh, it's actually probably higher than that. I'm sorry. I didn't even uh, look at it that closely. But the end game at the 8.5 was a number to me I felt like on opening night, the Warriors are not going to lose this basketball game by nine points or more at home at the Chase Center. And I think what you guys were doing that was so intelligent is if you look at the pregame, last night was a short number, probably about 140, 145 on the Warriors because they were only two and a half pregame. 
But when you're seeing an opponent that you know they're going to make a run against, it's a great in-play opportunity. So if you took the money line, let's say you got $3 on Golden State when they were down 15 points. You sit there and you wait. They outscore Phoenix by 21 points in the third quarter. Now, all of a sudden, you go from minus 15 to plus 6 in terms of the scoreboard. And now the Warriors are probably about a 230, 240, maybe even a little bit higher favorite at this point in time. You could take Phoenix on the money line, plus 175 to plus $2. So regardless of the result, Patrick, you're going to walk out with a plus money victory on either side. It doesn't make a difference who wins the game. Now, if you're want to be a little bit more cautious and you want to potentially win both bets you could have taken plus eight and a half with the Warriors you could have taken plus eight and a half with uh, Phoenix you had an opportunity to get a middle on the game this game winds up at four points you would have hit both bets yep that's perfectly put now do you have a strategy of how you would handle I'll just pick the biggest you know as far as the number on the board tonight and that is the number I find here the heat how about this the heat lay in 10 the pistons in town and the heat uh, pre-flop, 425 on the money line. Yeah, so per, this is a great example of a game you just picked. This is a game where tonight, what I generally do through the NBA board is I kind of scour, go through, and look at certain matchups and teams situationally. Miami, let's say they fall behind in the first half, 8, 10 points. You're going to probably get the heat at home, minus 4.5. I wouldn't mind laying that number with Miami. I would potentially look at a money line play as well, depending on what the price is. But what I'm trying to do on some of these bigger numbers is wait and see where the number is in a situation where I think it's in my favor or the price is justified in laying it, whereas the pregame, you mentioned 425, correct? Mm-hmm. I, I yep. think that's too high, right? Detroit, I'm probably not going to win this basketball game, but I'm not laying 425 on the Miami no. Heat to win this game at home on a season opener. What I am hoping for is Miami does what they typically do, which is take the first half off in so many situations, and then they're trailing by six, seven points at the break, and now I've got an opportunity with some lower field goal percentages from the Heat's offense to take Miami in the second half at a much, much shorter price. And here's the advantage of doing that, Patrick. Now, this doesn't guarantee a win, but what it does is it mitigates your risk. Let's say I get Miami in game at minus 150 they're down by six at the uh six points or five points at the break and if Detroit makes a run but it's it's I'm sorry Miami makes a run but they can never get over the hump and I see Detroit's always a minus 130 140 favorite and I'm about to lose the game and I just feel like it's not going my way I can take Detroit at minus 160 170 and on the money line now I'm going to lose some money but I'm not going to lose the full freight on Miami. So I can potentially mitigate the loss that I would have on the Miami Heat by taking Detroit the other way because now they're in a favorite position in the fourth quarter, assuming they got a three, four-point lead. So there's so many different ways you can reduce your risk on certain plays that you have that where you don't end up losing the entire bet and you can just minimize it. Yep, no, I love it. And you can always kind of take a look at the board before these games tip off to find a spot like Amal's talking about situationally with these big numbers. Um, kind of a theme today has been the futures market. So let's talk about the futures market. And we'll start with Wemby, yeah. Victor Wembayama, who you mentioned. Um, I, I like this. You have him as far as the award season here. You have him defensive player of the year. DraftKings is showing uh, Wemby at 15 to 1. Well, look, there's six guys I've got on the list in terms of the top guys there. Rudy Gobert in some markets a little bit lower, but other than that, here, I'm going to give you the list of six guys. Jaron Jackson, Evan Mobley, Anthony Davis, Giannis, and Bam. And real, uh, why I like Victor over these other guys. Jaron Jackson, we know how talented he is. Former Defensive Player of the Year last year. Great player. Evan Mobley, very good player. Also an elite shot blocker. Anthony Davis, health. We talked about it. Can he play 70 games? Probably not likely based on his history over the last seven, eight years. Uh, Giannis is a tremendous 
player, but I think there's going to be a lot of offensive burden. He'll have some opportunities to defend defensively, but what's going to hurt him a little bit, he doesn't have that great on-ball defender in Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is so good at defending the one, two, or three for an opponent. I think it's going to put a little bit more pressure on Giannis this year. Bam Adebayo, I like him, but he's a little bit undersized. I'm not as high on Bam or never have been as other people may be. Now I'm taking a look at a guy who's 7'3", 7'4", maybe 7'5", depending on where the official height measurement comes in. Patrick, it becomes so hard to shoot over him. He has the ability to alter so many shots and have such a presence that it helps your guards be able to play more up on your offensive player because if you get beat, you've got an eraser behind you. He is an international player, just like Giannis. If this thing is close at the end, the NBA has always tend to go with what's going to be marketable and what's going to be beneficial for them from a mainstream media perspective. Victor's coming in with more hype than anybody since LeBron James. He plays for the San Antonio Spurs, a team that's had great success and has done very well defensively. 12 to 1, 13 to 1. He may not have a great offensive game, but the one thing is defense travels. He can play defensively, whether it's at home or against more experienced players. I think people are going to be really surprised how difficult it is to score over someone with that length and that reach. No, I love it. That's a great breakdown. He's 15 to 1 right now. Wemby, Defensive Player of the Year over at DraftKings. Pretty damn good. Now, let's stick with the West. And we'll come back. We do have breaking news out of Major League Baseball. We'll come back after the break with that. Quickly on the Suns, who picked up the win, again, that's without Bradley Beal. And you like them, and they're your second betting favorite at three and a half to one to win the Western Conference here, Amal. Yeah, I know you know this name well, but some people may not. And the reason why I like the Phoenix Suns is not because of Beal and Booker and KD. And by the way, I was late to the Devin Booker party, but I'm jumping on that bandwagon two years too late. About a couple years ago, I realized he's an elite scorer. And Bradley Beal is probably the best number three option on any NBA team across the board. He's outstanding. But Yourself Nurkic... The big man at 7-1 and what he can do. Patrick, he doesn't have to be great. He's just got to do what DeAndre Ayton did, rebound, and score when the opportunities present themselves. You've got three bona fide scoring superstars. The guys that I just referenced are all lead dogs on any team they play in terms of scoring the basketball. Nurkic is a guy that can patrol the paint, rebound, give you a few blocks, alter some shots along the way, and just stay out of foul trouble. He's very dangerous. Look, Denver's a really good basketball team. I think Golden State's a threat. The Lakers, potentially, if they're healthy, could be dangerous. Sacramento has gotten better. But at the end of the day, if you get the type of scoring and the ball distribution we saw last night from Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns are going to be coming out of the Western Conference. That's great. Tremendous. And just to close it out, you do like the Celtics at plus 180. So you can find maybe find a closer to two to one in the East, correct? Yeah, my favorite player plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo. But they lost an all-world defensive player in Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is going to be a pain in Damian Lillard's side. Tatum, Brown, uh, Al Horford off the bench. Kristaps Porzingis with his height. He's a guy who's a number four on this team, is going to be tremendous. He's not a superstar, but what he is is a rim protector and a shot alter. He doesn't have to be great. He's going to present some challenges. I think Boston's going to be a tough, tough out this year. Check out Amal Shaw's back there, Dustin Sweetelson, because he just carried us through the segment. That's not bad. We'll, t- we'll take it. And we're coming back. Breaking news out of Major League Baseball. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories.